Hi everyone, welcome to season two of the Single Cell World podcast. I'm back. I hope everything is good on your side. Today I will talk about samples preservation methods. Ideally, independently if we are doing a bulk or single cell experiment, we should use a fresh sample to start. Not fresh because they were at the fridge, but because they were extracted from the source. It can be a human, a mouse, a plant, some minutes or hours before our experiment. And why doesn't it happen all the times? I will say that there are two main reasons. The first, uh, improper, let's say, experimental planning, that as you will see sometimes we cannot do better, or logistical problems. Let's see then some situations where preserved samples are obligatory used because an improper experimental planning. This is the case when we decide to do single cell experiments with samples that were not previously destined to do that. It is the case of archival material. And here, sometimes, a lot of times, we couldn't do different, since in some cases, when we collected the samples, we didn't know about single cell technology, or even maybe it was not developed yet. So again, we couldn't do different. Or in other cases, yes, we knew it, we knew about single cell sequencing technology, but we never thought or we never planned on doing it. Until one day that someone told us, ah, maybe it will be interesting and good for your project if you do a single cell experiment. Concerning the logistical problems, it can happen if we are doing, for example, our experiment here in Oporto and the samples will be collected in France or in France, in US, in Denmark. There will be a lot of time to get these samples and we obligatory need to preserve them. Otherwise, the samples will be in bad conditions when they arrive to our lab. Other case can be when samples are collected during a surgery. Let's imagine that the surgery is scheduled for 2 p.m. But there is a delay and we will get the samples at the lab at 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. That is very late to do an experiment. So in this case, we'll also need to preserve the samples. Other thing that can happen, and it happens a lot, especially with people that never did a single cell experiment, is to call to the lab or to go to our lab and tell, ah, by the way, I have a sample to process in 10 minutes. And of course, we normally have other planned experiments. So again, we will need to preserve this sample or these samples to do it another day. Now the question is, what type of sample preservation methods can we use specifically if we want those samples to be used for single cell sequencing experiments? I will divide them in two groups, the classic preservation methods that were always used in molecular biology and the methods or strategies that were specifically developed to preserve samples or cells for single cell RNA technology. Spoiler alert! They are based on the classic sample preservation methods. I will start with the most common sample preservation method, a classic method, that is cryopreservation. How does it work? What it is? Let's say mm, that we have cells in suspension. The first thing that we will need to do is to resuspend them in a cryopreservation solution or buffer. There are different cryopreservation buffers, but for single cell experiments, I mainly use two. One that is constituted by heat inactivated FPS with the MSO. FPS stands for fetal bovine serum, while the MSO stands for dimethyl sulfoxide. So I was using FPS with 10% of the MSO. Depending on the lab, 
there are people that can use from 5% until 15% of the MSO. So there is this range that you can use. The second buffer that uh, in specific moments I was using, especially um, specific to the tissue that we were cryopreserving, was complete cell culture media with 10% of the MSO. Here, the culture media can be RPMI, DMEM, there are different ones. Important, try to check in the literature or in single cell technology companies or even in the community, what are the recommendations for the specific type of samples that you want to cryopreserve? Let's say that besides cells in suspension, we also have a tissue to cryopreserve. In this case, we will place a tissue inside of a tube and then we will have our cryopreservation buffer. Advice, in case we have a big piece of tissue, we will need to cut it in small pieces. Pieces with around one millimeter per one millimeter and cryopreserve these different pieces in independent tubes. Why? First, because big pieces of tissue will take more time cooling down and the cells of the middle of the tissue can be damaged. Second, because if we split it in different pieces and tubes, every time that we need to use that sample, we will just thaw one piece and not all the sample. And if we do that, if we thaw all the sample after we will lose all the material, or I know that some people think about re-cryopreserved, cryopreserved again, but this last option is not an option because our sample will not be in good conditions for a following experiment. And why is the cryopreservation buffer so important? The buffer will prevent the formation of ice crystals, which these crystals can damage the cells. And it also helps to maintain the cell structure and integrity during the thawing process when we are thawing our samples. So now we have our samples already with a cryopreservation buffer. Here you need to be careful because the DMSO is toxic at room temperature. So when we put a cryopreservation buffer on top of the sample, we need just to go right away for the next step. And the next step, it's not it is not to place our samples at liquid nitrogen or at the cryopreservation container, but we need to put them in a Mr. Frosty or if we don't have it in a styrofoam box and place it at minus 80 until the next day. First, what is a Mr. Frosty? <laughs> it is a plastic box that have a double plastic wall with space between them. And in this space, we should put isopropanol. We should fill it with isopropanol and after put it at 4 degrees before we use it. The Mr. Frosty can only be used for small tubes. In case we have bigger tubes like falcons, we need to use a styrofoam box. But why should we do this? Well, putting our samples at minus 80 first, but again in a Mr. Frosty or a styrofoam, okay, you cannot put it right away you need to put inside these kind of boxes. These will make our samples to cool down slowly and not in an abrupt way. So it will be more gentle to our cells. Our cells will not be so stressed and these will improve the quality of our samples after for us to do a single cell experiment. What happens next? The day after we will place our samples from the minus 80 to the liquid nitrogen tank or a cryopreservation container where in theory, they can be preserved forever. And what will happen in the cryopreservation container that, as I mentioned before, it has liquid nitrogen. Our samples will be cooled down to temperatures between minus 196 degrees 
and minus 250 degrees Celsius, which is cold enough to stop all the metabolic activity and preserve our samples in the current state. Depending always on the sample type, but also on the cryopreservation buffer that we are using, with this method, with cryopreservation, there is a high chance for us to recover live cells after thawing our samples. One of the adaptations that was done by researchers working with RNA was to use a cryopreservation buffer that contains RNAs and transcription inhibitors, like the RNA later. This, what it does, it keeps the RNA intact and also stabilizes the RNA molecules and keep them away from degradation. My advice, again, is always for you to try to figure out what is the best cryopreservation buffer for your sample, because I know that RNA later can be incompatible with certain technology. The following method that I want to talk about is the snap freezing. This method is a lot of times confused with cryopreservation. Believe me that there is a lot of people that doesn't know the difference. Well, to snap freeze cells in suspension, basically, we quickly put our sample at very low temperature, with no buffers involved here. Normally, we place the tube with our sample directly on dry ice or liquid nitrogen. But in the case we have a tissue, me and others' recommendations is to put a recipient, an empty recipient, on top of the dry ice or liquid nitrogen and leave it there to cool down. After, we will add to this recipient isopentane, cold isopentane. And after that, we will place our tissue directly on the liquid, on the isopentane, and leave it there to freeze. What does the isopentane? Well, it will penetrate the tissue very quickly and like this, the freezing of the tissue will be more homogeneous, decreasing the freezing artifacts. This method, like the cryopreservation, will preserve the samples in its original state. How? By preventing the formation of large ice crystals that can damage the tissue or the cells. However, here, since the temperature changes so, so quickly, we are killing our cells. So while in cryopreservation, when we thaw our samples, we have high chance of getting live cells. With snap freezing, this doesn't happen. After thawing our samples, we will never get live cells for a single cell experiment. The solution here is to thaw our samples and do right away a nuclei isolation with downstream single nuclei sequencing approach, not a single cell sequencing approach okay so here with snap frozen samples we will need always always to work with nuclei and of course since we are working with nuclei there will be some limitations because if we are interested for example in studying protein expression we will not be able to do it well until now because right now all the approaches that are in the market let's say they are against proteins that are in the cytoplasmatic membrane, not in the nuclear membrane. The ones for nuclear membranes are not working still properly. Maybe in the future, I'm sure that in the future we will be able to do protein expression assays with single nuclei. Now the last classic method, that is fixation. Here the cells will be treated, let's say, with a chemical to stop their biological activity and preserve their structure. Some chemicals or fixative solutions that can be used are methanol, ethanol, formaldehyde, paraformaldehyde. There are different ones, but again, we should always choose the best one for our downstream application and also for the tissue type that we are using. 
The major problem with this method is that the fixation solutions will cause chemical changes in the DNA, RNA, proteins. What will make for them to cross-link? So there is cross-linkage between these biological molecules, and this cross-linkage will affect the quality of the sequencing data. However, this method is what is in the base for parse biosciences and the next genomics fixation kits. Yes, these two single cell companies, they have a fixation kit and their goal is to allow us to fix our cells before we start doing the single cell experiment, always with their technology. Parse biosciences, what they have is a fixation kit that allows us to fix the cells at minus 80 until six months. Tenex Genomics has also a kit to fix cells and this kit is based on formaldehyde fixation. It gives us the possibility of short-term or long-term preservation. Short-term, we are talking about one week at four degrees. Long-term, six months at minus 80. Afterwards, these samples that we fix with a kit from Tenex Genomics, they will need to be processed with a specific kit. And here is really specific, is not the usual gene expression 3' prime or 5' prime kit. No, here we will have to use the chromium fixed RNA profiling. And this kit is a probe-based assay, okay? So yeah, I promise that I will enter in more details about these options whenever I interview their representatives. I wish I can interview Parse Biosciences and the next genomics representatives for them to explain in detail how these kits work. To end this episode, it is just missing to talk about two new strategies for sample preservation that were developed by Singleron and Honeycomb Bio. Singleron team developed a buffer called Single Cell Live Buffer to preserve tissues. They don't recommend it us to use with cell suspensions. This solution uh, simulates the physiological environment and maintains a good cell viability of tissue, so it keeps the tissue preserved for 72 hours at 4 degrees. Concerning Honeycomb Bio, we are talking about preserved cells. So what we have to do is to load a chip that they have with big OLs, load with our cells, and these are called hives. So each cell, by gravity, they will fall in these big OLs. And after this, we will have a preservation solution or reagent that will preserve the cells. There is here the option of short-term or long-term storage. Short-term means one week at four degrees, or in the long-term, we can do five months at minus 20 or minus 80 degrees. Take home message is you have to choose the best preservation method for your samples. And how can you do this? I already mentioned a lot of tips and what I will do here is to summarize. So check on the literature, uh, what type of preservation method was used for the type of samples that you have. In case you are planning to work with a specific technology, ask to the company, what are the preservation methods that they recommend? Optimize it. What do I mean with that? Get a mock sample, a piece of tissue similar to the one that you will use and do as if you are preserving that sample, leave it for one month. If you want to do it shorter, you can leave it for 15 days and then thaw your samples and see in the case you would like to have live cells, if you have live cells or if you cannot have a good single cell suspensions or you optimize your preservation protocol or you know that you will need to do nuclear isolation. And this will also influence 
the preservation method that you will choose for your project. So good luck with your single cell experiments and let me know if someday you need my help. Ah, by the way, at the beginning of May, I will do a course, a single cell technology course entitled Exploring the Cutting Edge World of Single Cell Technology. And this is an introductory course to the single cell technology. I will talk about all the types of single cell technology, single cell omics. There will be also a part of introduction to data analysis, next generation sequencing. So you have more details on the description of this podcast because I will leave there the link for you to, to see the details of this course, but also in the webpage. And by the way, if you would like to support this podcast, now you have a way to do it. I will leave also the link where you can pay me a coffee. So thank you so much for listening to me and see you next Monday. Mm-hmm.